Hi, uh, Christina Cantrell uh, from the National Writing Project, and I am. Uh, we are uh, here at the uh, National Writing Project's Resource Development Retreat in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's July 2018. <laughs> And um, I'm with some colleagues who are here working on a resource that will be published to The Current. So keep an eye out for their fabulous resource that'll be about a project that they've been developing um, called Playable Fashion. So this project was supported by the National Writing Project um, as well as John Legend's Show Me campaign and um, the MacArthur Foundation through a grant program called LRNG Innovators. Um, and this was this grant was awarded, I think it was a 2015 grant that was awarded in 2016 and was part of um, a, a set of challenges um, that I'll talk about in a little bit, but they, they responded to the, the second challenge, which was about connecting inside and outside of school and developing connected learning experiences with for kids and with kids um, through those connections. So I wanted to, um, this project brought together a nonprofit in New York City, an arts and technology nonprofit in New York City with the Academy for Innovative Technology, right, in a high school in Brooklyn. So um, I wanted our colleagues to introduce themselves and then we'll talk more about this really exciting project and the great work that they've been doing. So Joanne, do you Hi. want to kick us off? <laughs> My name's Joanna Gould. I work for iBeam, which is the technology nonprofit that uh, is in Brooklyn at the moment. And we help uh, artists who are trying to share and engage with our uh, sort of shared future together with technology. Uh, and I'm Crystal Tavinette. I'm the current teacher of game design. Uh, for the CTE pathway at the Academy of Innovative Technology High School. Awesome, great. Um, so we're here at this retreat. We're with national colleagues um, working on lots of different resources and projects. And we had an opportunity right at the beginning to ask each other questions so that we got a sense of the work that other people were doing in the shared space as we're also working very specifically on our work. And I know the biggest question that came to you guys was, Wait, what is playable fashion? <laughs> so the title's just so intriguing. It's so intriguing. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. absolutely. And I guess like the way that we've been talking about it is sort of like in its current iteration, which is uh, embedded into my coursework, uh, going from its development process as an after-school uh, program into an in-school uh, mm -hmm. during class program that I can run at different grade levels. Um, and the easiest way I can explain it is uh, teaching students uh, video game design, technology, and fashion uh, in a way that acknowledges that people experience technology differently um, and have people come in contact with things that they may have already found out about, might already use, and turn them from, um, as it was Ramsey who said it, uh, turn uh, students from consumers to producers. Awesome. And it was co-developed at IBM. It started uh, actually in 2010 with uh, the co-developers Kaho Abe and Ramsey Nasser, who were residents at IBM. Um, and they put this together and eventually got to the stage where it could be an after-school program. And then we wanted to take it to that next level, bring mm -hmm. it in school, make that crossover. That's when uh, Crystal was brought in to help us make that step. Awesome. Great. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say that there's, um, and we can we'll put links with the recording of this um, uh, interview, I guess we call it. Um, 
because there's a beautiful video that shows a lot of um, Crystal is featured in it actually and shows a lot of the students and the work that they were creating in this context and then has interviews with both um, other colleagues from the school as well as IBEAM. So um, check that out for sure. So, um, so yeah, I want to, so LRNG innovators, I just want to step back for a second. So um, through this sort of granting project, we had a three-year, um, we had an opportunity to do three challenges, right? And so those challenges um, over the uh, three grant cycles that, that took on three different challenges, but they're all interrelated. And these challenges were designed by educators who were working on bringing connected learning opportunities um, to the youth that they work with, right? And so um, by connected learning, we mean you know, opportunities to really connect youth interests, um, things that are meaningful to them and relevant in their context and in their world, um, support them in being creators, not just consumers. Um, and to make things and also to connect them with both peers as well as larger opportunities in the world um, that might be around community, career, college, etc. Um, but that, um, that really engage them in work that they can move forward. And, um, uh, and these challenges were designed by those educators trying to do this work and with the idea that you know these are some of the key challenges that, that we run into when we try to do this work in schools. So the challenge that you all had is connecting inside and outside of school work is something that we had, um, I think it was 10 other grantees also working on at the same time. And um, from an NWP staff perspective, I could see the sort of set of work happening around the country and the sort of push and pull um, of, you know, what's what's really possible um, and what's really exciting about this. You know, like outside of school often has an opportunity to reach a set of kids through their interests and really develop some rich opportunities for them. In school, there's an opportunity to go deeper to connect to to uh, you know other disciplinary knowledge and all the kids. Are there <laughs> so so how do we like bring those spaces together was really what your grant your proposal was so I'd love to hear about that like what what was exciting about that what was challenging about that how did you sort of navigate some of those challenges and also what are some of the questions that remain um, so I guess like the first part was like from bringing it after school to inside of school was uh, the fact that I had the opportunity to work with Kaho, who had been a professor of mine while I was at NYU. Um, and it was a very collaborative, like one-on-one -on -one teacher teaching teacher sort of a, a experience. So she made sure along with uh, uh, Ramsey, um, we had several uh, like weekend PDs where I would just go hang out with them and they would essentially teach me like how they were running their program, um, what exactly they were doing. And because they had written it in uh, such a way that worked as an after school program, then I had the challenge of like, okay, well how do I communicate this to my administration in a way that the DOE um, wants it, how it's supposed to be structured. So I had to help them put in that lingo to create a lesson plan that I was like, all right, well this is how it would look like for a teacher. If you want to say like, I have a lesson plan that you can follow. 
the way that they had it was very um, college-centric, which was obviously whatever the university at that point, whatever their standards are. Um, but on a high school level, a middle school, elementary school level, we have so many other standards we need to find. Um, and CTE is uh, specifically uh, career technical education has other things that need to be uh, covered through a lesson. So also like pinpointing, all right, well specifically this part of playable fashion meets this section, um, which isn't necessarily always technology. There's CTE mm -hmm. for fashion, for food, for technology. So making sure that you drag and drop um, what is relevant and necessary for what you're teaching. So that was definitely what made it really uh, really easy was that I was able to have this one-on-one -on -one with Kaho and Ramsey um, about what this program was, and I could tell them back, tell them uh, immediately, okay, well, if I'm gonna run this program five days a week, um, one hour, whereas you guys had like one day a week uh, or two days a week for three hours, right, right, um, right. there was a lot more time where the, you wasn't stop and go, stop and go. Be like, okay, well, maybe this section needs to be cut down like this, possibly I can stretch it out, what would you guys recommend? Mm -hmm. um, and then translating what would look like a, a block of work time into 20 minutes right. um, so that it would work for the students. So that was one big thing that we did. Great. And I know from IBM's perspective, something that really helped us a lot was having AOIT in so early as like a partner school and mm -hmm. thinking about that. Because obviously without that school buy-in <laughs> and being behind it and thinking about how we could work together, it would have been impossible. And um, I wasn't there for the beginning of this timeline, but having that first year there was just essential just to get in there and work with the school and have them be an active partner. Right, right. I think without that long time, it wouldn't have been possible. And obviously working with granting organizations that respect this takes time. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And you won't see results straight away, and sometimes it takes longer to hear back. So having those two great um, things all working together. Yeah, I remember your colleague Lauren writing about that um, relationship building right at the front mm -hmm. end that was so key to then sort of developing this. And then what I hear in your story is really this like mentorship that you could sort of go back and forth and test and develop things, and then you had someone to. Yeah. yeah, and I think also um, to the administration's credit, right, there's so many things where are like, oh, let's try this cool, fun new program, um, but you really have to have an administration that sort of believes the people who are working with it, and uh, at the time, that was Cynthia Folks, uh, who was the founder of AYT, and essentially, she understood the importance of CTE and seeing how things ran out, so the only reason I was really given a chance is because she really believed that, oh, we could make this game design program, we can have this cool, fun thing, um, and it's not just like a, a spin-off, like a one-off, um, we can turn it into something else, so like, knowing that there was someone who on the administrative level was also looking at this and was like, okay, well this actually benefits my school because, mm -hmm. um, and not just expecting like immediate response of like, well, what is the result of this program? It's more of like, okay, let's see how this plays out, let's see where it goes, and it ultimately ended up being very, very successful. So, yeah, that's good. That's great. Okay, so I know I asked about challenges and questions. I was wondering though if we could unpack this idea of game design itself. So this is a CTE curriculum, which I think a lot of folks in our network um, are familiar with, but less familiar probably with like game design as CTE and game design in schools. So maybe we just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so actually um, I'm fortunate enough to have the first approved program, so we're kind of like a guinea pig, we're the first ever. Um, and what I... Approved by New York State. Approved by New York State, yes. Yeah. Um, if there are other programs out there, let me know, I want to communicate. Yeah. Um, awesome. but, <laughs> uh, but essentially what it turned into um, was uh, 
I understand right how people consume media, what people do stuff, and that uh, sometimes people see video game design and they're assuming like, oh, it's just going to be people playing games and. Ultimately, I have to say that yes, we do play games in the class, mm -hmm. um, but so much of it is that concept that uh, Ramsey spoke about, which is turning uh, consumers into creators. And uh, from the moment kids step into my classroom, I tell them, sure, we're going to play a video game, but I need you to stop seeing it as you, the gamer, sitting in your couch. It's like you, the developer, looking at another artist's work. And I essentially yeah. turn it into like a critiquing sort of a class and mm -hmm. looking at what people are doing and building up on that and understanding where a certain theory comes from. That a shooter isn't just a shooter. There might be a studer, uh, a, studer, a story that comes out through it. Um, there's something that's being told, but the mechanic of how the game is actually placed mm -hmm. just happens to be that. It's everything that makes the game um, to do. And something we've talked about a lot is how, yes, this is game design, but also it's about technology as a whole. Right. And how you're critical about the technology, how that technology works. Uh, how when you sit down and play a video game, knowing where it came from and who was those creators as well, that's something they can bring outside of game design into other ways. Yeah. I mean, technology is obviously everywhere now in our everyday lives. So being critical of that uh, from that perspective is a really good way to go and it's already an interest of so many students. And what's also interesting in the way that I like to say is that I, I tell my students if you come out of this not wanting to be a game designer that's fine with me. I would prefer that you take skills that turn you into a project manager. And what's also so interesting is the way that I teach it with the uh, game engine Unity that I use they don't just need to use that for game design. It could be used for art installation, medical simulation, right. military simulations. It could be used for so many things. So they will automatically have a unique skill set that they can apply to any other uh, sort of field that they want to work with. So if they love medicine and they want to do medicine simulations, there they go. They, right. they have the skill already. They can program it. They can make it and still make it about what they love. And when I think about like the gloves that the kids designed or something that have, you know, control mechanisms in them that, that um, the, what did I, I think it was, um, I, it was on Mars Rover, um, actually. So this is sort of a random connection, but just like the, how the opportunities unfold, that they had a sculptor on the Mars Rover team um, because the knowledge that he had about three-dimensional design was so important for, you know, d developing yeah. that tool. So anyway, I mean, I think there's like lots of interesting paths that can open up this way with both the physical technology as well as the, um, mm -hmm. the actual Unity platform and everything. Yeah. And this sort of links together, we've followed a lot of students who started with a playable fashion after school program and then have gone on to college and now mm -hmm. uh, some of them even started their own businesses and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we can see how starting with something that interrogates technology at sort of that level and plays with it can lead to something entirely different. Yeah. And for some of those students, they describe it as the in that they had into technology, mm -hmm. into coding, into developing. So. Which also kind of uh, lends credence to why I was able to make the gaming program successful, yep. um, because it was about the kids. And the students that I had when we ran the program, I had so many that surely were interested in game design, but uh, going back to experiencing technology differently, if they programmed something and saw it react on the screen, it didn't feel real to them. It was mm -hmm. like this sort of nebulous idea of like, alright, well I typed a thing and it made a thing and I guess that's it, but turning that into, I programmed this small board and it has a physical connection to the real world where I can uh, use a glove and interact with a switch essentially mm -hmm. um, to make a game playable, um, really had them like 
oh gosh, this is amazing, and the best yeah. sore that I can have is my two class clowns, I absolutely love them, Jaden and Anthony, um, immediately went from taking that energy of just like goofing off and playing video games, and like still being very nice and respectful, but clearly like this is not what I want to do, yeah. to I'm going to make a pair of pants that I can type. <laughs> um, because it would be hilarious to just like hold on one minute and then just start typing <laughs> on my pants. Um, so it's like the student engagement like rose so much and it's like seeing how that light turned on for them. It was that in. It was that mm -hmm. in to technology that made them feel like I can actually do this. It's not something that only people who are quote unquote smart yeah. can do it. I can take whatever my level of uh, I guess technology intelligence is and transform it to something of that same caliber. Yeah, and this is something that we've talked about, that we've all talked about, that a lot of the uh, actual technological components used are relatively inexpensive in comparison to higher level technology mm -hmm. programming, all right. of this basic circuitry. Uh, and that's something that I know iBeam's really keen on, and I'm sure AOIT is as well, making sure it's open in the sense that it's accessible. Right. That this doesn't, it doesn't price out a whole bunch of students who can't afford to buy, you know, nickel wire or um, yeah. whatever it is. Because it's like, in, in, in its sense, like the actual getting of the materials on a school level, um, it's not that expensive. I think for 30 students, it might have ended up being somewhere around um, uh, 15 to $20 in order to, to get that. And like some people might be like, well, I might not have $20 to spend on all of this stuff, but it's like at a school level, um, that, was, that was pretty cheap, so right. for us at least, um, yeah. to be able to run it. And to have a classroom set that I can, you know, rotate because it's it uh, something that it just it's not set. Um, it can be reset and retyped, and every time a student logs in to a computer, they can just connect this board and upload their information like nothing was ever done to the board beforehand. Right, right. Made it even more accessible. So what a classroom set of 30 ended up being uh, usable by over 40 students, uh, 50 students, you know, it was, it was something really cool. And the software's all open source. Yeah, well. it was all, all free, yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't have to download it. So even if they immediately did not have access to the technology and they wanted to keep learning about how to program it, they could do it from home, they could do it from the school computers, from their phones even. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was very accessible, super easy, uh, and anyone could use it. Yay. Great. Okay. That's really awesome. So let's talk a little bit. I have other questions too that keep percolating, but I want to try to stay where we where I said. So if we talk, what were some of the challenges of this work? You know, sort of watching across the grants, I've been seeing, you know, the challenges pop up here and there, but I didn't really have a chance to talk to you guys about it. So um, to the degree that you feel comfortable talking about what was hard, you know, I think we, we in this network really value that kind of inquiry into some of the, the, the hard pieces and how do we address them. Uh, for me, the most difficult aspect was this was actually my first full year as a teacher by myself. Before I had been a teacher assistant, and before that, I had been uh, contracted as a as a consultant. Um, so I was always with somebody else, and I didn't have any formal like teacher training um, in the way that I became a teacher. So this was my first like, all right, we're taking the training wheels off. Go go ride your bike, um, and I had it. Uh, I obviously had my own sort of like fears of I can't do this, this is too much uh, on top of all of the exorbitant amounts of work that teachers are, are given and they have to do. Um, uh, one difficulty that we did face was I thought it would make more sense if we had this sort of fun experience later in the school year, closer to the end of the school year, um, before uh, all of the exams happened. Mm -hmm. um, 
without noticing how uh, often kids could be taken out of class because they needed uh, to do something, yeah. um, because they were seniors, because they were this, because you know all of this testing was needed and they needed this extra test prep. Um, so the ultimate grouping of students um, that participated in this uh, larger portion of the program ended up being a little bit smaller than I had anticipated um, for that particular day that we had Kaho Ramsey and Lauren coming by to the school. Um, Throughout the school year, whenever there was smaller things that I was implementing, that was easier. But um, it was more of just like, really the logistics of getting it to work out, which leads into how I'm going to be working on that in the future, is yeah. that now that the program is approved, and I don't have to worry about um, all of those crazy amounts of paperwork, I have uh, plans to make it something that's embedded into the entire curriculum, not just mm -hmm. one unit, um, to let students who really feel that this technological, this uh, hardware aspect of game design is what they want to do uh, and make sure that students across all levels are engaged at all times and there's something relevant to what they're doing. Instead of just like, well, you got to wait until the end of the school year to do the thing you want to do. It's like, all right, cool. Well, this makes sense in this context. Here's some stuff that you can do um, and that because a large part of what I do that I realized was a challenge before even the program being approved was not all game designers are the same. You have mm -hmm. some people who are good at art, some people who are good at technology, um, hardware, some people who can do all of that, mm -hmm. um, and making sure that each student has that ability to express that interest, mm -hmm. um, keeping them engaged, but keeping the overarching theme of game design um, connected. That's great. And something we've been thinking about is iBame, and this was written in our original grant in a very uh, what would you say? We really wanted to do it. We wanted to do it <laughs> so badly. Thank you. That's the word I wanted. Uh, my personal word count's going down. Um, but uh, something that we've talked about a lot is the fact that we wanted more than just one teacher trained mm -hmm. up on this who was working in schools. And so what do we do now to give Crystal the tools she needs and how can iBeam support to get this to other teachers, to make this yes. curriculum that's shareable and usable and get people excited about it? And I think the way we are thinking about this is that this resource we're developing as part of this uh, retreat as well will be the start of moving into that too. So, and I think this has re-enthused both of us, uh, both AOIT and IBEAM, mm -hmm. to kind of lift up and think about that in a better way. And how we can do it in a way that isn't just putting the curriculum online. Mm -hmm. How yeah. can we do it in a way just like maybe videos or more interactive or workshops and then what we can do in the way of getting more funding if that's necessary to make it happen. That's great, yeah. And I'm really excited about this resource you're developing. Maybe we could just take a second and sort of play a little bit with, because um, we're, we're a writing project network, and teachers who teach writing and uh, across disciplines and grade levels, and um, you know, and we care about literacy learning in you know holistically and and the literacies of today, and so. Um, you know, and we are a network that we could potentially connect to this curriculum that, you know, congratulations on getting this uh, developed and it's so exciting that it's out there in the world in this, you know, formal way. So um, that we could take up these, this work and these practices. Um, and I just was, and I know we talked about it a little bit, like thinking about like the ways that, that um, working with these tools are sort of these new literacies that are developing, um, whether it's a computational literacy, whether it's a sort of literacy around um, uh, game design literacy, and I guess in game design you have all these components and all these you know, narratives and all these 
I don't know. Maybe we could just sort of play with that idea. Absolutely. I, I totally agree because pretty much half of my curriculums ends up being teaching vocabulary to students about things that they already know about, but they didn't know what the word was. Mm. Um, and understanding when something is applicable and also how it can be transferable across technologies or project management schemes. Mm -hmm. um, so something as simple as user experience um, is so universal yeah. through design mm -hmm. ideas and it's like it's pretty much the basis for how our technologies are made, how our phones are so responsive to how we do it because yeah. we're thinking about how the user does that. Um, and the concept I think of uh, design thinking mm -hmm. is something that I feel should just be implemented as like a literacy mm -hmm. um, because it, it's not just applicable to tech, it's applicable to how to make everything human-centered, human-centered yeah. design thinking. Um, to make everything for the user. Um, and I would absolutely love to be working on getting that under that understanding out. And also so that people are like, well, that's just a video game. And it's like, well, this could be considered X, Y, Z, this, that, and the other. Um, and this is what its effects ultimately are. Um, would be amazing. Yeah. Cool. I agree. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both for taking the time to talk with us and for being here with us and developing this great resource that, again, people can find at thecurrent.educatorinnovator.org um, in just a little bit. Um, and uh, really looking forward to continuing to work and think with you into the future. Absolutely. We're so excited too. Thank you. Mm -hmm.